going and we're live. Let's make sure everything's up and running. All right. We're live on the tube. We're live on call in. And of course we are recording the pod. All right. Sri Lanka. If you don't know what's going on in Sri Lanka, um, let's just say uh, you should, and uh, let's inform you what's going on. So if, if you're in America or if you're in particularly America, but if you're in a developed country that really hasn't had much uh, conflict in the past generation in terms of world wars and, you know, crazy things like COVID's probably the worst thing that's happened in your lifetime, the pandemic, quote unquote. Um, and you're probably not seeing a whole bunch of coverage, but of course it finally trickles into the mainstream media eventually because it's so massive that it has to be covered. And this is a major, major deal. And you probably don't think that this could happen to us. And when I say us, I mean the United States of America, because it just seems so far out there, like starvation, uh, civil war, just absolute craziness that you would think is a movie or what is historically referred to as conspiracy theories, right? And if you've been listening to the podcast or watching the videos or following my TikTok while it's still active, of course, because we all know the CCP runs that Chinese Communist Party. So we'll see how far that goes. That conspiracy theories seem to be what something is called a year prior before it becomes a known fact. This is like a recent trend, although it's been going on forever, but myself and many others are starting to realize this. So Sri Lanka is a country and I'm going to play a video here. It's really good. It's from cold fusion. It came out today. I'm going to play parts of it. I'm going to talk to it and I'm going to keep playing parts and then we're going to go through some articles and stuff, but the, essentially let's just get to the, the punchline. The country has fallen. Okay. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means they currently do not have a government. They have inflation that exceeds 100% and they are in debt over 100% of their GDP. And this is, how does something like this happen? Well, something like this doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It is a planned, coordinated meta geopolitical level attack in order for this to happen. It's intentional and it involves corruption and it involves bad people and true evil, like in a movie wanting to hurt of these people wanting to hurt innocent, regular everyday people like myself, peasants, and essentially starve them, take away their money, and make them beg for help, which then you go to the World Economic Forum and 
and really ask like, like we need, we need help. And so then they, you know, create like AI factories with like, you know, these artificial foods and all this craziness. Right. But that's like, do you think that these people in Sri Lanka five years ago thought that they would be struggling for energy and food and starving to death? Do you think that ever crossed their mind? No, 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 no. In fact, they were becoming a pretty wealthy country. Over 1.6 million people were taken out of poverty. But all of this was happening from being over leveraged in debt to a few different places, but one in particular, and you're going to hear this is a very common theme, a very, very, very common theme, because I have a feeling this will be the first of, let's say, many stories about this. So, interesting. It says that low frame rate detected and that it's not filming. Is that true or not true? No, I think we're still alive. So we're okay. So China essentially lent Sri Lanka over the past decade billions of dollars to support this extravagant expansion and economic development. Although there was a purpose behind that to over leverage it so eventually it would crumble. And now what you're seeing happening across the world are all these countries where people lived in very wealthy nations where you saw a lot of economic growth in the past decade. You saw a lot of prosperity, but it wasn't mostly due to productivity, okay, which is input versus output of actual production of goods and services. This was from debt. And debt is just a bubble of people being able to afford these leisure activities or expensive items out of these slush funds that are really, they don't, they're not coming from productivity. So eventually you need to pay it back. And that's when things collapse. And you're seeing, and what you're seeing in Sri Lanka and elsewhere, which are these companies are collapsing because of inflation, because their debt exceeds their GDP. Look at America, by the way. But there's a lot of things that we have in common with Sri Lanka. In fact, almost everything we have in common with Sri Lanka, except one thing as of now. And that is the collapse. Now, it's quite interesting that we have almost everything in common. They collapsed. But yet you think as an American, the United States cannot collapse. That is a very naive and kind of ignorant thought process. We owe China a bunch of money. They owe China a bunch of money. Debt exceeding GDP. Debt exceeding GDP. People losing their life savings, people not being able to afford anything because of inflation. Do you see these common threads? We, it led in Sri Lanka, it led to the government being overthrown, people not getting enough 
gas or energy so they can cook. They ban fertilizer so they can become organic and sustainable for the environment. But that really just caused food shortages. Now there's starvation in the country. And to think that all of these things are also something that is happening in the United States with the only difference being that we have not collapsed. Why would you think that we cannot collapse? We are seeing a country with the same exact activities as us and they've collapsed. Why do you think our ending is going to be different? So for, for those of you that don't know a lot about Sri Lanka, I'm going to start this video. If you're listening on call-in or you're listening on the pod, you'll hear the audio. And I just want to give you some context on Sri Lanka. And then we'll get into how not only do I believe, I think it's objectively true that this is a coordinated, quote-unquote, attack from within, from the World Economic Forum and China. So let's just get into the, uh, the really good video. Again, this is Coal Fusion. They do really good videos, and let's. Uh, and it, again, if you're if you're listening, you're going to hear it all right now. So, take a listen, and um, I'll give you some of my feedback as we go through this. Here we go. Sri Lanka, population twenty two million, and an independent island off the coast of southern India. Not long ago, they were South Asia's most developed nation, but right now they're in a severe economic crisis. The country is fifty one billion dollars in debt. Rolling blackouts are rampant, the currency is crashing, medication, fuel, and some food is in short supply. Even school exams had to be cancelled because of the shortage of printing paper. An economic crisis in Sri Lanka, which is becoming increasingly dramatic, with residents' life savings virtually disappearing into thin air. One estimate from Johns Hopkins University shows real inflation at over 130% in March. The government is even asking airlines to stop refueling in the country to save on fuel. Many Sri Lankans have had enough of the horrific situation. The homes of government officials have been torched, and the sitting Prime Minister even had to flee to a naval base for his own safety. Protesters have also stormed the presidential residence. They were swimming in the president's pool, eating his food, and drinking his alcohol. So how could such a disaster happen? Well, first, we need to look at the Rajapaksas family. Fusion TV. The rise of a powerful family. The Rajapaksas has been a powerful family in the country for a while. Their wealth came from rice and coconut farming, and their power from their activities in politics. In Sri Lankan politics, you have to be somebody to be elected. As Razine Sally, a professor at the National University of Singapore, told the Washington Post, quote, you cannot win in politics if you're not from an established family. Doesn't that sound awfully familiar to the United States? Isn't it pretty tough to become president or some high-ranking official with all this power without either money, notoriety, fame, just being extremely wealthy? These are all things that are happening in the United States and have been happening in the United States for so long. And I don't want to just focus on the United States. I mean, Germany, the United Kingdom, Canada, everywhere you are seeing 
all nations crumble. Sri Lanka just happens to be the very first one that is literally crumbling before our eyes. And when you hear the names or the words, China, World Economic Forum, crisis, death, famine, all of that stuff, that is a clear, coordinated attack to make all of these government regimes crumble from within. You're going to hear things that happen in Sri Lanka, like you need to be a known family. You need to be a known name in order to gain power. Think about how this all compares to the country you live in. I just happen to live in the United States of America. So that's what I'm comparing it to. And it sure seems like all politicians who become super powerful either have immense wealth, they have a famous name, or they have some sort of connections to other people in power. So this is not an anomaly. This is the beginning. And I don't want to be so dark and, and just negative, but people are being very passive about this stuff and just seeing what the headlines are of the mainstream news or social media outlets. Those, those media organizations are working with China and the WEF, the World Economic Forum. So you're getting information from the bad guys. We'll jump right back into it, but a good example of hearing one thing and then things turning out the exact opposite is how long did you hear about inflation being transitory, transitory? It's transitory. And now it's going up. It's still going up, going from in the U.S., 8.6% to 9.1%. That's the government numbers. What do you think the real numbers are if those are the government numbers? Should we double it? Should we say it's probably 18%? It's surely high. But as you listen to this audio or watch this video, I just implore you to think about if it sounds like it's happening in your country. Because if it is, it's probably a good... Um, uh, a good thought process to think of, okay, if all of these things happen in a country that completely fell and got overthrown by the people and there's famine and people and there's kids who cannot go to school because there's a shortage of paper, the kids can't go to school because there's a shortage of paper. You're talking about a country that was not a third world country. And as you'll hear further of, there's so many coincidences. There's so many conspiracies tied to this story that I just dismiss the word conspiracy now and just go, oh my God, I got to dig into that because it's most likely true. As crazy as it is, my mind's just been blown in a negative way, but Let's get back to it, and um, I'll let it play for, for a little bit longer this time because this is really good. And 
I, I kind of want to bias. It's not even biased, but I do want to say like, this is an assessment of what happened in Sri Lanka from like a very open, like naive point of view of like, oh, this isn't coordinated, but they are the facts. And it's a really good job of explaining the facts. And again, if you don't know what's happening in Sri Lanka, as you listen or as you watch this, I just want you to think that if you're hearing things that their government did, that your government either is doing or already has done, we know the end result for Sri Lanka is everything folded. It's awful. People who five years ago never thought in, a, in their lifetime they would have famines or be starving or kids not being able to go to school because there's no paper or they can't land planes there and put in fuel because there's no money. Well, I would not be so naive, naive to think that that cannot happen to you no matter what country you're in and especially if that country is the United States because Americans tend to think we are untouchable and that nation states have been here forever and that everything's totally safe and we cannot crumble because no empires ever crumbled except the truth is every single one has crumbled like 100% of them. And guess what? You might be living through that right now, just like the people in Sri Lanka. All right. That's my little rant there. Let's get back into it because it is good and it's, it'll give you really, really good context. So let's get back to it. The second of nine children, Mahinda Rajapaksas, became president in 2005 and for 10 years, the country became a family business. As the family's influence grew, soon other brothers, sons, nephews, cousins, daughter-in-laws and other relatives joined the government, occupying top positions in various administrations. By the way, a government, a powerful, centralized, powerful force should never be a family operation. That should be an immediate red flag. Whenever you see a family and all of a sudden brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and aunts and uncles all of a sudden become head of defense and head of agriculture, all that stuff, it's not good. You do not want power to be more and more centralized. Like, do you really think that over the course of history, people chose to be under authoritarian regimes or totalitarian governments? Like, they chose that? Of course they didn't choose that. It happened. Why can't that happen to you? Just because you haven't seen it before? This is the first sign of a red flag. So if your government has a bunch of officials that are related to each other, it's probably not good. Lanka was now a family affair. Mahinda named his brother Gotabaya as defense secretary, while Basil and their oldest brother, Jamal, were placed in charge of irrigation and economic development. Sri Lanka enjoyed years of growth, fueled by a mountain of foreign debt, but for much of their rule, things were going well. Despite some critics, many Sri Lankans were fans of the ruling family, not only for bringing up the country in social standing, but also for bringing peace to the nation. So this is exactly this is exactly what I'm what I'm trying to convey is that before things get really really bad things are really really good because they had so much money but the money was coming in from debt 
So it wasn't, if it's not from productivity, then that wealth creation or that economic development can only be short lived. And so everyone loves everybody when things are good, but you're just seeing debt mount up, mount up, mount up. And when debt, when there's a debt crisis, and that's currently what is going on, look at the budget at the United States debt it went up $10 trillion in the, uh, uh, in the pandemic. It becomes drastically worse. And now you're seeing the interest rates being jacked up really, really fast to make things compoundingly 10 million times worse just to crumble society. So it's like make people be really good. Then when they fall into debt, then raise the interest rates to then make getting money way harder for people who already don't have any money. And like you've all know, Harari said, who is the top advisor to Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum? Any famine in today's world is political famine. So if anyone starves, it's because some politician wants them to starve. Because more people die today from overeating than from starving. We solved starvation. So if you ever hear famine in 2022 and beyond, it's an intentional crisis. We should not be having famine. Sri Lanka is a really sad, but unfortunately, good example of this. And it's so sad because these are regular people just like you. They didn't think this could happen to them either. And then all of a sudden it happens and it happens fast. From 1983 to 2009, there was a horrific civil war in the country. A rebel group called the Tamil Tigers would fight against the government, citing discrimination. After a 26-year military campaign, the Sri Lankan armed forces militarily defeated the Tamil Tigers in May of 2009, and this brought the civil war to an end. At this time, the president and the defense ministry were brothers. After the defeat of the rebels, the pair were hailed as heroes. Mahinda enjoyed the adulation of voters who approved of his bloody yet decisive victory in a 26-year civil war against the Tamil rebels. But it wasn't a squeaky clean image for the brothers. Allegations of corruption, including questionable deals with Chinese state China. counterparts, swirled around Mahinda. His brother, Gotabaya, was also implicated, though to a lesser extent. He was facing scrutiny over the purchase of MiG fighters from Ukraine. But these scandals didn't stop the family from spending big. He promised huge infrastructure projects, including a Chinese-built airport, which sits largely empty. He tried to jumpstart growth by borrowing heavily and attracting foreign capital by propping up the Sri Lankan rupee. In the short term, the strategy worked. The economy boomed, causing a per capita gross domestic product to more than double from 2006 to 2014. This vaulted Sri Lanka past Ukraine, the Philippines, and Indonesia. It lifted 1.6 million people out of poverty and gave rise to a large middle class. Here's Sri Lanka's rising. By 2019, Sri Lanka ascended to the ranks of the World Bank's upper middle income countries. Though all of that growth came at a cost, Sri Lanka's external debt tripled from 2006 to 2012, pushing total public debt to 119% of GDP. In 2015, these policies were suspended, but, the debt continued to accumulate. With each passing year, 
the family government made even more mistakes. Each mistake led to ever greater risk. And here comes the fatal mismanagement. When the military brother, Gotabaya, got into power in 2019, he promised tax cuts to get elected. When this came around, the government lost 25% of its revenue. To make things worse, in 2020, COVID smashed tourism. For Sri Lanka, tourist income was a huge source of funding to pay back foreign debt. Then, 2021 rolls around and Russia and Ukraine go to war. In an ill twist of fate, before the war, Russians frequently made up the biggest share of Sri Lankan's tourists. Are you starting to see these uh, coincidences? So their largest source of income is from one of the largest from tourism. And of the people that come to tour or be tourists of Sri Lanka, they are Russian and Ukrainian. And what do you know? They go to war with each other. So odd. Wow, it seems like someone's trying to destabilize countries, no? And then if you saw what the debt, where the debt came from, it came from China, whose economy is the only economy that has grown more since COVID than before. Everyone else's is crumbling and becoming the major global power in the world. And they have the majority of the debt, while also the World Bank, who is mostly funded and supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, George Soros, and China own most of the debt. And when you own the debt, you have the control. And when you have the control, you can put any system in place. And we'll get to the system later on, which is the incredible foresight that comes from the World Economic Forum of what type of system needs to be put in place, the stakeholder capitalism, which we'll get to. But for now, let's get back into how this was mismanaged. And was it really an accident or maybe it was intentional, perhaps? As the flights to Moscow were suspended and the Ukrainians were at war, Sri Lanka's tourism industry suffers even more. In April of 2021, the Rajapaksa government made another fatal mistake. To prevent the drain of foreign exchange reserves, all fertilizer imports were completely banned. This move was extremely radical, as no country can feasibly run their food supply on 100% organic fertilizer on a whim. Farmers overnight had to stop producing, and the food supply collapsed. The country had to start importing rice and other food goods, and the price of food exploded. Okay, so when you... So then why would they do it? If nobody can feasibly farm without these fertilizers... Why would you ban them unless it was intentional? What other explanation could you possibly come up with? And when you begin importing things that either you provided yourself from within the country or were actually a net exporter of, but now you have to bring it in, like the rice, that seems like an awfully poor business decision to make. And so if we brainstorm as to the reasons why this would occur, would it be, should we just say it's conspiracy and just end the conversation there and stop the podcast? Is that it? 
Is that what we do with conspiracy theories? We just say, ah, conspiracy. Next episode. That's what seems to be the case. Because when you say something's conspiracy, the conversation ends and there's no debate. There's no discussion. It's over. It's a great way to end a conversation on a very important subject that is affecting millions of lives in a negative way. Just say it's a conspiracy and the conversation is over. Sri Lanka conspiracy. Okay. How's the war going in Russia and Ukraine? Conspiracy. Let's not talk about it. Whenever you don't want it, whenever someone doesn't want to talk about something, you should be asking more and more questions. And when people have a lot of power, 99% of the conversation should be you asking questions. All right, let's get back to it. Rubber and tea, two major exports, also ground to a halt. The government reversed the policy in November of 2021, but the damage was already done. Last year, in a highly controversial move, the Sri Lankan government banned the use and import of chemical fertilizers overnight in a bid to become the first country in the world to fully adopt organic farming. While the ban was later reversed after protests, the crop yield was already affected. The income we get is not enough to cover our expenses. This is the only work we do. We have no other work. I mean, did you, do you listen to that? Do you see that? Don't, uh, how bad do you feel? Uh, so the only way that the right decision was made and that it was reversed so people can farm again, it had to be to protest. Does that sound like anything else that's going on in this world? Huh, let's think. Um, Netherlands. Oh, Netherlands. Oh, the alt-right farmers are protesting. Wow. Huh. Interesting, because they're trying to ban everything there within an unreasonable amount of time so that the farmers lose everything. And that is the second largest exporter of agriculture, of food in the whole world behind the U.S., the Netherlands. Exactly what you just heard or saw, or both, right there, is the exact script that is happening in the Netherlands on a much larger scale that affects much more of the world. It took protests for them to reverse it. But if you heard the damage was already done, it only takes a good six months, nine months for the damage to be done. And then if you, even if you correct it, it's too late right now, as I'm doing this, the farmers in the Netherlands are at the protest stage. You heard there that the protests is when they, when the rules or the laws were reversed, but the damage was already done. The Netherlands are currently in the protest phase. So I think, is the damage already done? Is it done? It makes you think conspiracy. Okay. Let's stop. Let's stop the conversation. He said conspiracy. We could just bend. We could just fold. Just ask Biden. What's up? Things went from bad to worse. The country was spending more than it made, imported more than it exported. As a consequence, its foreign reserves began to run dry. This in itself isn't too unusual, as a lot of countries do this and end up borrowing more money to keep themselves afloat. But the difference here 
is that the foreign debt for Sri Lanka is so high that they can't even pay the interest to keep the debt expansion going. To make things even worse, oil prices were exploding internationally, so importing that cost even more than normal, and being a small island dependent on deliveries by sea made this a nightmare for Sri Lanka. The inability to import led to food shortages as foreign exchange reserves remain under strain. In February of 2022, the official inflation numbers rose to 17.5%. By June, it was 55%. Okay, if you're not watching this on the screen now, it says non-government members, oh, sorry, non-government numbers are over 130% inflation with an asterisk. So you heard they were saying it's 55, but the non-government numbers, which are probably the more accurate ones because the people reporting on it aren't the ones that want to hide it. There's no conflict of interest going on. And they say it's 130%. Can we relate? Can we translate this to the United States of America where we say it's 9.1%? Are there, is there going to be a documentary in like 12 months that says, well, the government reported in the U.S. that it was 9.1%, and then it goes to a dark screen within parentheses, Non-government numbers are over 130% inflation. Think about that. Why do you think your government's any different? And if you do, it means it's probably not. There's crazy patterns going on here and crazy co coincidences with China, debt, gates, death, famine. Seems pretty oddly consistent. The price of cooking gas, for example, is almost three times higher than it was just a few months ago. Even printing paper is hard to come by, forcing schools to close and cancel exams. In March of 2022, the Sri Lankan rupee posted its biggest single-day decline in more than 40 years. These next numbers highlight just how fast the situation is deteriorating. Sri Lanka's foreign currency reserves at the end of 2019 stood at 7.6 billion. This had fallen to 1.93 billion in March of 2020. And by July of 2022, all that remains is 50 million. There is no longer enough foreign currency to import basics such as fuel. On June 29, 2022, the country suspended fuel sales. It only had enough fuel for just one more day, and it will be given out in absolute emergencies. It was the first country to ban sales of petrol since the fuel crisis in the 1970s. Before long, the situation was horrific. Citizens began starving and there was a shortage of everything, food and fuel being the most pressing. Long fuel lines are a common sight. Arguments occur and fights break out. One rickshaw driver even dies of heat stroke. The government is now so short on funds that it's going to start printing money to pay employees' salaries. Does this, does this, if you, if I said that this, if I said this documentary was actually about the United States and we had everything in here except for the fact that it fell, wouldn't that be a hundred percent accurate? They they're running out of money. So they print money. They're in more debt than they can handle. The debt is owned by the Chinese communist party, the Chinese government, the fuel, there's an issue with fuel. People can't afford it. They can't import it. It's too expensive. In the U.S., it's way too expensive. People can't afford it. 
in Germany, they're rationing heat and water. What's it going? I don't know how I'm really putting, I'm really putting a lot of thought into how do I share this information in a way that doesn't have people just immediately dismiss it as conspiracy and is so out there or just ignore it because there's no way it could happen to them. When in fact that it's highly likely, in fact, I would say the probability is rather high that we are in, we are currently in the same fall or process that Sri Lankans are in. And we just haven't hit that end. They hit that end. Like it's over. It's over. Once you re if that's what happens in the U S as I know it can't, you don't think it can happen. It can't happen. There's no way. Empires never fail. Conspiracy theorists. United States can't fail. Look how Rome's doing. Oh, Rome fell. Look how Greece is. Oh, Greece fell. Wait, did every empire fall? Wow, every empire fell? That's so odd. But we can't be living through the time. Why? Because we uh, didn't experience it in our lifetime, so it can't happen. Oh, really? Are there ever things that are once in a generation? Yeah, 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 but not our generation. Are you sure about that? Sri Lankans did not think five years ago that there would be people starving to death because they don't have enough food or the heat stroke that the, they were saying that the, the carriage driver or whatever uh, had. Do you remember heat strokes happening to like 50 people recently in the United States with the immigrants that were like in a truck and they died of a heat stroke and dehydration? Like 50 of them? The largest like mass death of like immigrants coming in? That just happened. Everything, every single thing that is happening in Sri Lanka or did happen is happening in the United States of America. I can't articulate how serious this is. I'm not political. This is an apolitical podcast. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I have no motive. I have no agenda. I just want to live a happy and free life and have a family and be healthy and to be left alone. And the fact that I need to do this to help wake people up and you think that I have the agenda, but like the mainstream media does not when in fact their business model is 100% contingent on massive corporations funding them to keep their business going while mine does not have a sponsor yet, but I'm doing this because I'm trying to peddle conspiracy theories and take up hours of my day to do this. Because I have no sponsor. Just think about where you're getting your news and your, 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 your references from, and then reverse engineer what, if they have any motives or if there's any conflict of interest, my interest is in humanity and literally being left alone. I don't want to care about politics. I never did. I really don't like it. But we're going through a massive geopolitical change that is clearly coordinated. Behind, very powerful people are behind it. And I just hope that I'm conveying this in a way that makes sense that maybe 
It enlightens you to do your own research. I'm not saying to take any of this as fact. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not saying, hey, I'm trying to shove this down your throat and you better not fact check me. No, I'm saying here's everything I've learned. Now, please go do the research yourself and come to your own conclusion. Just don't do surface level research where you see what's trending on Twitter and you see that what's trending on Twitter is like dog sperm when the country of Sri Lanka just fell. But you think that what's really trending in the world is like dog sperm or whatever was trending yesterday? Like literally it was like animal sperm. It's to keep you distracted while these powers at play get what they want to create this one world government and totalitarian regime. Like I said, nobody ever chose to be under authoritarian regimes. Nobody. It happened against their, their will. It happened against everything they wanted, but it happened. How do you think that stuff happened? Do you think perhaps it was crazy events like this, like countries falling and people all of a sudden starving, even though years earlier we were celebrating how we starved famine or how we, how we, how we, how we fixed or cured famine and nobody dies from starvation or that the entire world is safe now and lifted out of poverty. And now all of a sudden everybody's going back into poverty and that you have this world economic forum putting out ads that literally say you will own nothing and be happy while the people telling you that message own everything and are trying to own every single farm and every single thing. And then you can pay for your usage, but you'll be happy. It's like saying you'll be happy locked down at home. I'm going to go travel to Cancun. Does that sound familiar too? This is so, it's so disturbing because these people didn't expect this and nor do they deserve it. And this is just the beginning. And it, man, I'm like scared too. I'm not going to lie, but I'll stop talking. First know how that turns out. It's basically the end of the line for the Sri Lankan economy. Sri Lanka no longer has money to import goods and they can no longer function to produce enough revenue. In April, the government defaulted on its external debt worth 51 billion. Seven billion more is due at the end of the year. Starting in early April of 2021, protests began to erupt all over Sri Lanka. At first, the government tried to squash the protesters, triggering deadly crashes across the country, but they couldn't hold back the tide of anger. The Rajapaksa brothers, once hailed by many as heroes for winning the civil war, are now reviled as leaders. It's a dramatic fall from grace for a family that dominated Sri Lankan politics for over a decade. The former president, Mahinda Rajapaksa, had to be evacuated from his official residence after protesters attempted to storm the house. Other family houses of the Rajapaksas have also been targeted elsewhere in Sri Lanka. People are so frustrated because of Rajapaksas. We need our money back. We need our country back. We are here to support us, these people. I mean, everyone can see that how much we're suffering. There's lines everywhere, gas, petrol. Currently, Sri Lanka is in a very risky situation with great uncertainty. And just to highlight this, as I was finishing up the episode, more news broke. On June 10th, hundreds of thousands of protesters broke into President Gotayaba's official residence. The 
the moment the dam broke. And they swarmed into the office of a president already fled. At 10 a.m. local time, he fled. Gotayaba's motorcade was seen speeding down the highway out of the city. His secretary and other officials didn't know his whereabouts, but he was later stopped at the airport trying to flee the country to Dubai. After he left, protesters wearing helmets and waving Sri Lankan flags broke into the president's residence, some cooking food in the kitchen, while others are seen swimming in the pool. There was even a piano sing-along in one of the rooms to lift morale. And for the first time, several Sri Lankan military personnel joined the protesters, marking a turning point in the government's control of the situation. The protests and storming of the government residence also shows what happens when governments lose control of an economy. All other world governments should be watching this closely. Overall, it's a tragic situation, a potent combination of government mismanagement and external economic and geopolitical factors. Moreover, without a stable government, it's going to be very difficult to negotiate loans or restructure the country's debts. So it looks like the end of the Rajapaksa family dynasty and the long years of complete control it exercised over this island nation. So how can this be fixed? Well, basically, the only option is to get loans. Sri Lanka is seeking emergency loans of $3 billion to pay for essential imports such as fuel. The World Bank has agreed to lend $600 million, and the government is also asking for $4 billion from the International Monetary Fund. The IMF said that the government must raise interest rates and taxes as a condition for the loan, which would make the country's cost of living crisis even worse. They're also seeking help from China, India, Qatar, Australia, Japan, the US, and more. Sri Lanka and India have signed a $1 billion credit line for importing essentials, including food and medicine. Sri Lanka owes $6.5 billion to China, and the two are in talks on how to restructure the debt. China agreed to bolster Sri Lankan's foreign currency reserves by swapping the Sri Lankan rupee for its currency, the renminbi. Though, since then, China has signaled displeasure over Sri Lanka also approaching the IMF for help. The Rajapaksas are now not only concerned for their political future, but also for their safety and security when a new government takes over. We can only hope that things turn around for the nation and they can get the resources they need to rebuild their economy. No citizen of any nation deserves what has happened to the people of Sri Lanka. So I've been sitting on this script for a couple of months, just waiting and seeing if things would improve, but they really haven't. So I think it's ultimately important that people know what's going on here. So stay safe out there if you're from Sri Lanka. Generally speaking, do you see there's a really important part here? There's a really, really important part here that was just said. This isn't something to gloss over. China owned the debt. And in order to restructure it, they are swapping out the currency of the country for China's currency. The strongest thing that the United States has that makes us so powerful is being the world reserve currency because that means everyone saves the US dollar and therefore you can loan to any country in the world because they pretty much all accept your money or because everyone values it, they wanna hold it. But you see China swooping in and this is the first example of this to say, hey, we will restructure the debt, use our currency. Or you'll see with OPEC, I think it's called the petrodollar, and there'll be a later episode on this. 
but it used to be you had to convert into the U.S. dollar. Now they're accepting, what is it, the Chinese yuan? Is that what it is? The Chinese yuan and U.S. dollar. We are seeing the macroeconomic play of China becoming the world reserve currency. And it's really honestly happening by force. These, co- these countries are, intention- are intentionally being crumbled because as you heard or saw in that video, the only way out is to get loans, to beg. And who do you have to go to besides the person or people or group that lent you the money that you are in debt with? When you're in debt with someone, they have power over you and can make decisions for you because you're at the behest of them. China is seems to be the lender in all, all of these countries that are crumbling. Is this an anomaly? Is this the only country that is going to fall? I think that is a ridiculous thing to believe. And what I think is becoming more and more ridiculous to believe is that the United States of America cannot fall. Pretty much every single thing that, ha- that they said happened in Sri Lanka in that video happened in the United States. Even the party in power being dominant for a decade. Well, Biden was vice president and then president for a decade. The similarities isn't ironic. It is coordinated. It is planned. And to dismiss this as conspiracy when literally a country has now officially fallen and is begging for help because they don't have food or energy. And at the same time, you're seeing in the U.S., you are seeing us struggling with getting energy. And what do we recently do that's not getting any coverage that is so strange? When Biden took office, we were energy independent. We are now, we see oil being as high as it's ever been. And what did we just do? We sent, I don't know if it was our last oil reserves or just a portion of them, but I know there's not much left, to an energy company owned by China and, of course, Hunter Biden, the Biden family. But to China, oil prices are as high as ever. So to bring down that price, the number one thing, according to economics, you should not do is make that asset more scarce and get rid of your supply. And we not only got rid of the supply, and it's not even being talked about like a major deal, but we got rid of it to the rising global power that we compete with, which is China. And it just so happens to be owned by a company that the president has a stake in. There is nothing more corrupt than that. That is as corrupt as it can get. And people are being obsessive about 
even the Republicans are calling things Republican, Democrat, Democrat, Republican, or, oh, my God, far right, far left. And all, that's all a distraction. Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter. You are all peasants. You will all be in the, we will all be in the same scenario. It's a distraction. There's really only one thing at play here. It is the rise of China and how, how China operates as a global power and how the U.S. operates. China doesn't operate like we operate. We're used to the world being under the tentacles of the U.S., which is bottoms-up approach. China's pretty much the opposite, top-down, centralized power. And you're seeing all these things that are awfully resembling of the CCP happening everywhere in the world with big tech censorship. That only happened in China. Suppressing information that happens in China. People who are outspoken against the government in like Australia coming to get arrested because they make a post on Facebook that critiques the government. That happens in China. You're seeing it branch out because you're seeing China become the global power, which is inevitably going to happen. Their economy is going to be two, three, four times our size. That's inevitable. But you don't need to run the world from an authoritarian approach. And if we just sit back and just say and read about Sri Lanka and read about all these crazy things that are somehow being normalized, You have to remember in the end, they come for you too. I mean, what's so shocking to me is like these people in the mainstream media that either distract us to talk about events or things that are important, but really don't matter if you talk about the grand scale of our country collapsing. That's really all that matters. Like, are you going to have to worry about Food, are you going to be rationed heat and water? Like, food, water, energy are pretty vital, right? I know we want, I'm all about diversity, inclusivity, and all that stuff, but that's not what's vital for people to survive. Food is vital. Water is vital. Energy is vital. You're seeing intentional moves being made that puts a stranglehold on energy. You're seeing it all over the place. It's being masked as climate change and turning green, but yet everybody who is a farmer who's, by the way, being demonized, farmers, as like, all right, they're farmers. They farm. They're not, they have no agenda. Their agenda is to live. Like Sri Lankans, do they have an agenda to overthrow the government? Or is it because they're trying to survive? Maybe the agenda were the people that got out unscathed. Maybe it was the people in their government that had all the power, that made all these decisions, that made everybody worse off in the end. But they got away safe. What do you think would happen in the U.S.? Biden family will get away safe. Nancy Pelosi will get away safe. They can buy an island themselves. They probably own, they probably have ownership in, in Epstein's Island, I'm sure. I'm sure Bill Clinton owns like 20% of it probably. And these people make these terrible choices because it's my theory that they're all pedophiles. And like there's like they got, they get them like China, like gets them drunk or something and videotapes them like 
this is terrible, but like having sex with like a kid and then boom, it's blackmail forever. I mean, you see Joe Biden and his daughter, or granddaughter, and they kiss on the lips all the time and he calls her baby and it, it's odd. It's odd. It's odd. This stuff happens in every country and you are now seeing for the first time in this generation, a country crumble from within and every single thing that led up to that is exactly, I mean, exactly what happens or what happened in the United States. And to think that our ending is going to be different and like, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be prosperous and everyone's going to be happy and own everything and have private land all stuff. Why would the same roadmap lead to the total opposite result? How does that make any sense? That makes no sense. And my agenda is clearly just to get this word out because it's not comfortable talking about this. It's not like it helps my reputation. It's not like it helps my life. It's not like it's fun. I do like recording the podcast, but it's not fun. I don't want to talk about this. But unless we bring awareness to this and rise as the people, like there is a part of that video that was like so touching and hard. Like when you see them, they, they're like announcing like a soccer game when they start storming the Capitol or whatever it is. Like they all came together. They're there for each other. They're worried about their neighbor. They don't want people to get hurt. They want people to live and be happy and be free. But yet the people in power and then the people in power who own those people in power, which ultimately leads up to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, which sounds like a South Park episode. Like it's so far out there. Like the World Economic Forum was this crazy, powerful, totalitarian regime trying to make a one world government when really that's occurring. And to just dismiss it as conspiracy and not do your own research is a very dangerous thing. And if we come together, but it's too late, well, then guess what? It's too late. Like, we're running out of time. Maybe this happens in Germany first or the UK first or Australia. But those are the same. Those places are the same as the United States. They're all developed, wealthy, educated countries. This all leads to the same place. No, I'll end with this. Nobody ever made the decision to be under a totalitarian regime. People in North Korea want to escape. There actually is this woman who escaped who's in the U.S. She spoke at the Bitcoin conference about how horrific it was and how you like people, even there were cannibalism just to survive and people ate animals and the, the poverty. They're just owned nobody wants that they have no way out once you get in it's hard to get out in the soviet union under stalin which by the way which was communism where 50 million people died five zero the wall was up so people couldn't get out usually you put a fence around your your yard so people don't get in you put a gate up so people don't come in. Those walls are up so people can't get out. So once we fall into this mess, 
It's going to be very difficult to get out. So we need to come together now before we're in it. Otherwise, those walls go up and you might never get out. And if you think I'm crazy, that's fine. Believe me, in some ways I am. But how about this? Why is the mainstream not telling you to do this? I implore you to go do your own research and your own due diligence. And look all across the far and wide world wide web. And see what conclusion you come to. That's what I want you to do. Don't take my word. I am telling you and asking you to go do your own research and learn and come to your own conclusion. But you don't hear that from these other outlets that you trust blindly. Why are they not saying that? Because they have an agenda that they're putting down your throat. You don't hear them say, hey, listen to us, but go do your own research because then that could hurt them. I'm telling you to do that because it will probably help me because you're going to find out it's true. And if it doesn't, then guess what? It hurts me. And then I don't have you as part of the audience. <laughs> but they don't tell you probably only because the opposite is true. And then you wouldn't trust them and then you won't watch them. I don't know how this is so far-fetched to think of. But this is clearly what's going on. And Sri Lanka seems to be the first of many, many countries that are going to fall and people that are dying of famine and starvation, which we quote-unquote solved like last decade and now all of a sudden it's happening again. It's coordinated. Time is not on our side. Time is on the side of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and all that stuff. It's not on our side. If you are a peasant, which by the way, I'm just going to make an assumption. You're a peasant. If your name's not Jeff Bezos or like Elon Musk or Bill Gates, you're a peasant. Okay? That's how you know if you're a peasant. If you're confused about, you know, should I associate myself with being a peasant? Think about, okay. Do I have 14 jets and like eight private islands? And in the case of many of them, am I a pedophile? Probably not. You're probably a good person. That means you're a peasant. Peasants can always win, but only if they're on the same team. And right now we're divided. A civil war is just to break us from within. You don't really hate that other person with that view. You're just getting bombarded with views that say to hate that person or to somehow trigger some emotional response in you that's irrational, which by the way is usually started by putting someone in a state of fear, <clears throat> pandemic, and then you make very poor illogical decisions. You make bad decisions when you're in times of crisis and fear. If we were level-headed, you wouldn't see such ridiculousness happening. We can't normalize what's going on in this world. We can't normalize the fall of a country because then that's the end. Because to think they're not coming for you is really crazy. Why are you so special? Why are we so special? I, we're clearly not. We just happen to have a richer country, so it takes longer to fall. But all the same tactics are being put into place that were put into place in Sri Lanka, which is a country that literally just fell, that you just watched a great documentary of from cold fusion about all the facts behind it 
but go do your own research. Whenever news outlets just tell you what the facts are, but don't implore you to do your own research, those are the people with agendas. The people that don't have agendas are the ones that encourage you to prove them wrong. So I leave you with this. Prove me wrong. Don't let this happen to us or anywhere else. It's already bad enough. Let's start getting on the 